Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Inspired by the Word Global Times of Devotion. Right now, we're going to be praying. I like to read to us the scriptures. As we begin to pray. Lord, I exalt first Timothy 2 from verse 1. I exalt therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Praise the Lord. Right now. We're going to be praying in line with this scripture. I'd like to read to us as instructed by Pastor. So in the name of Jesus, we foresee the plans and this plan of dividing the world into fully vaccinated tribes and those who are not. In the name of Jesus, the satanic work. In the name of Jesus, the satanic work, we divide it, we break it, we separate it. We cut them off from the nations that they will not be able to control the government of the nations. Satan and the demons of hell will not be able to control the world. We break their power, hallelujah. We break their influence from the leaders of the nations in the name of the Lord Jesus. Can you unmute yourselves right now and let us begin to pray in other tongues in line with this. Darkness upon the world in the name of the Lord Jesus, that the spirit of deception break it. The devil has no hold upon the nation. We frustrate. Oh, <laughs> 
Sakaran 
Gila granda sasa vija katala bonde shala bangra takaske la panda shata kabai. Enko zavela krusta kaparada bashata. Onza kela manshata kabaya. Yes, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we cut them down. We divide them. Lika kurama kasataya. We frustrate their plans in the name of the Lord Jesus. Yes, this world will never, it will never be a tribe of vaccinated, fully vaccinated and unvaccinated people. No, makasata kabaya. We first we frustrate their plans of vaccination in the world in the name of the Lord Jesus, most especially in our different countries of residence in the name of the Lord Jesus. Jela brada kasiza katale manda satia engarosa takabakaya. Yes, we frustrate their plans of the deception of the nations in the name of the Lord Jesus. We frustrate their hold, hallelujah, upon the nations of the world and the leaders of the governments of the nations. Likaronda kabakasatakabaya. We cut them down, oh God. Rikabanda shatakabaya from having a hold on any nation of the world in the name of the Lord Jesus. Legrada gazita kabaro seteki koboro. Yes, hallelujah. The plans of the devil will never work, oh God. It will never come to pass, oh God, because these are the times and the seasons of the sons of God, hallelujah, where we make manifest, hallelujah. That we are the sons of the living God. Because this the world waits for. Yes, hallelujah. We cut down every deception going on around the world today. Every lying spirit. We cut them down in the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, thank you, precious Father. Thank you, dear Lord Jesus. Oh, you are God all by yourself. Hallelujah. And you ruling, you ruling the affairs of men. Hallelujah. You rule in the realms of man, hallelujah. And you set things aright. And as we pray, oh God, we thank you, oh God, because things are changing speedily, speedily, and to our advantage, oh God, to the advantage of the sons of the living God. In the name of the Lord Jesus, thank you, precious Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Inspired by the Word Global Times of Devotion with the Lord. Hallelujah. It's another beautiful morning, and it has been an awesome time with the Rhapsody of Realities. Thank you so much, esteemed Sister Amaka, for the opportunity to lead us in prayer. I'm grateful. Right now, we're going over to the Rhapsody segment. Remember to go back and study this Rhapsody of this week. It has been awe-inspiring. Praise the Lord. Um, Brother Martins, over to you now for the Rhapsody segment. Thank you very much. Thank you, esteemed Pastor Debbie. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. First, I'd like to say a very big thank you to Sister Maka for this great opportunity to take this Rhapsody of Reality segments. Okay, today, uh, Rhapsody, our devotional, says create with words. Praise the Lord. Create with words. And uh, 
team verse is taken from Hebrew chapter 11, verse 3. It says, true faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen are not made of things which do appear. Maybe you desire a change in your finances, <clears throat> business, health, academics, family, or ministry. No matter the situation, no matter the situation is, you can create that change. Just like your heavenly father, you can alter words and have your desires and have your desires created. You can change the course of your life with words and make it conform to God's plan for you. The Bible says you were created in God's image and likeness. That's Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Therefore, you have the ability to speak things, to speak to things, to situations, and elicit a, a definite response from them. Genesis chapter 1, verse 36. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. He simply commanded it to appear, and it did. Second Corinthians 4 says, shed more light on what happened in this instance. It says, for God who commanded light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. Hallelujah. You know, I think about this scripture, and it gets me, you know, it keeps me pondering at what God really did that particular day when he said, let there be light. What happened? What really happened? Because what we have read here in this, um, this first paragraph, it says, just like the Heavenly Father, you can utter words and have your desires created. You can change the course of your life with words. Make it conform to God's plan for you. Okay. Now, there was darkness in the whole world. The whole of this universe was covered with darkness. What I ask myself is, so where was God standing? Where was he? Because I, I ask questions when, when it comes to, when I want to deal with the spiritual, when I want to find out some things, I ask questions. I ask the Holy Spirit, I say, okay, so where were, where were you standing? What exact location did you stay and say, let there be light? Because where he was standing, he would have spoken forth. So from where he was, he said it. And then from that place onwards, what of your behind? What of your back? As in, I asked. And the Bible clearly defines, it says the spirit of God was upon the surface. He was up from where he was. He was in the top of everlasting like he was somewhere on top of eternal. And then he spoke into the universe. But the question now will now be, okay, when he said, let there be light, what type of, what kind of light appeared? Because it couldn't have been the sun and the moon. It couldn't, definitely couldn't have been the sun and the moon. The Bible says, later, God created two great lights the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. So what kind of light did God create when he said, let there be light? It was a manifestation of his person. God 
manifested. He manifested as light. So the Bible says, for God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, he was, he, he was upon the universe that was surrounded with darkness. Everywhere was in chaotic mass. It was a, 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 a chaos. And then he spoke. He manifested as light to the world. The one that the Bible says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Then he now said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. He was the one that manifested because he's the word of God. He was one that manifested as light when God said, let there be light. He clearly defines the part of the scripture. I think Isaiah chapter 60, that says the sun shall no longer be the light by day, nor the moon by night. But the Lord himself shall be a light. The Lord himself shall be the light of and as he is, so are we. If as he is, so are we, then we are the light of the world. It's our duty to manifest, praise the Lord. Also in Genesis chapter 1, verse 11 to 12, the Bible says, God spoke to the earth to bring forth grass and plants. And he did. Then in Genesis chapter 1, verse 20 to 21, likewise, the Bible says, God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creatures that had life. He spoke to the waters. He spoke to water and he brought forth all manner of creatures. Our team verse says, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things that are seen are not made of things which do appear. If the things, that's Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3, if the things which are visible to the optical eyes were made by the things which are invisible, then these invisible things, the spoken words from our lips must be subatomic. Must be subatomic particles. You know, um, a subatomic particle is um, like an atom is divided into three. You have the electrons, the proton, and the neutron. We are talking about something that is smaller than an at atom, but has the ability to penetrate. You know, when you talk about um, like atomic bomb, something that can that has this power to penetrates even the seemingly unpenetratable, can go into, can permeate places that you think, ah, it should, something cannot enter, but your words can go in there. You know what the Bible says? That the word of God is sharper than the two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing as well, piercing even to divide. It can penetrate wherever, however, whenever. Praise the Lord. He says, God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly, the moving creatures. You know, when I watch Nat Geo White and I see some, some things inside water and I see some creatures inside, you know, all these um, documentaries, I wonder to myself, I say, wow. So God created this one too. Like, that is what the Bible says. It says, God spoke to water and he created, he brought forth different kind of creatures. Even some that you really can't see. They are there in the waters. Praise the Lord. Pastor goes on and says, spoken words are coded messages that create sound waves. These sound codes are thus transmitted to the elements, darkness, earth, and water. And God elicited a defined response from each of them. 
The fact that these elements produce the exact things God demanded is proof that there was an interpretation of the codes sent to each of them through words. Everything in this life has a sound code. Everything in this life. And when you speak those words, the moment the code is accepted or it strikes that particular thing, once you transmit those sound codes, it must definitely respond, respond to you. No wonder the Lord Jesus spoke to the tree and said, no one will ever eat from you again. And the Bible says the next day when they passed, it had withered away. He spoke to waves. He said, peace be still. He spoke. As he spoke those words, he released sound codes. And the wave heard him. Praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, verse 1, amplified, AMPC, amplified um, classic translation says, Therefore, be imitators of God. Copy him and follow his example, as well as beloved children. As well, beloved children, imitate their fathers. God expects you to copy him, to act like him. Therefore, with your words, you can change hopeless situation. Even if you had a great life already, you can make it much more glorious by your faithful words. It says, with your mouth, with your mouth, you can cause that particular change you want to see. Because God, who saw the world filled with darkness, after brooding, after, you know, after perambulating the earth, after, you know, going over and brooding, he spoke words and he changed the course of life. He spoke words and he changed the course of the world. What situation could it be? I know for sure. Because I've seen situations changed. When you hear pastors sing this song, I believe in miracles. Say, I've seen a soul set free. He now said, I've seen a lily push its way up through a stubborn soil. Have you seen a lily grow on rocks? How? No soil. But it is growing. It grows. There is nothing. There is nothing impossible. When we speak those words, there is nothing. You know that the Bible says, Down the spirit, help it our infirmity, for we know not what to pray for as we ought to. But the spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning. When we groan like that, he says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Because you have spoken those words, it begins to work, it begins to materialize. And then you find yourself enjoying the bliss. And one of the things those faithful confessions do, does for you, one of the things this words does for you is that it gives you relative peace. It gives you this blessed assurance. It gives you this, this happiness, this joy. And you know for sure that all things work together for your good. And you know that you're really changing the course of life. He said, therefore, be imitators of God. Copy him and follow his example. Jesus was always talking. Jesus was always causing changes. He always spoke. Even when he got to the tomb of Lazarus, he said, Lazarus, come forth. He didn't go there to lay hands on him, pray for him. No, no. Come forth. And he came forth. He spoke. And even the dead heard him. What is that dead situation? What is that dead thing? Speak forth. Open your mouth. Remember, he said, at the tomb of Lazarus, he said, I am the resurrection and life. I am the resurrection and life. 
And then he said, as, we eat, so, as he eats, so are we in this world. You are the resurrection and life. I am the resurrection and life. We are the resurrection and life. Therefore, go forth today, speaking words that will raise things back to life. God bless you. Thank you so much for this time. At this moment, I will hand over to the esteemed Sister Joy to take us through the confession and the further studies. Thank you so much. so much, Brother Martins. Um, good morning, everyone. Good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you're connecting from. Thank you so much, esteemed Sister Maka, for this wonderful opportunity. I'm taking the further study. We're reading from Hebrews 11.3. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Psalm 33, verse 6. By the word... Psalm 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Praise God. We'll take the confession together. You don't have to unmute your mic. Just repeat after me wherever you are. I use my mouth to create the glorious future I want to see. Even now, I release words of prosperity, hallelujah, strength, grace, victories and promotions about my family, job, business, academics, health. I live in the reality of my heritage in Christ. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much, esteemed Sister Maka, for this wonderful opportunity. Um, and just like Pastor Deborah said, after now, please kindly go back and go through all the rhapsodies for this week. It's been a very, very powerful one. Right now, I would like to hand over to the esteemed Brother Zier to take us through the New Testament reading of the One Year Bible Plan. Thank you so much, everyone, for your time. Have a wonderful day ahead. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sister Joy. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Depending on what part of the world you're connecting from, welcome to the Inspired by the World Times of Devotion. Thank you so much, Sister Amaka, for this amazing platform. Um, congratulations for everyone that's been consistent with going through the Bible reading plan for the year. And if you haven't, you can always still catch up. We are reading the message translation, and it's been a very, very interesting read. We're reading the book of Luke chapter 14 at the moment. So today we're going to be reading Luke chapter 14 from verse 25, and we're going to Luke chapter 15 to verse 10 over there. So I read, the caption is, figure the cost verse 25 one day when large groups of people were walking along with him jesus turned and told them anyone who comes to me but refuses to let go of father mother spouse children brothers sister yes even one's own self can't be my disciple anyone who wouldn't shoulder his own cross and follow behind me, can't be my disciple. Verse 28, is there anyone here who's planning to build a new house? Doesn't first sit down and figure the costs so you know if you can complete it. 
if you only get the foundation laid and then run out of money, you're going to look pretty foolish. Everyone passing by will poke fun at you. He started something he couldn't finish. Or can you imagine a king going into battle against another king without first deciding whether it's possible with his 10,000 troops to face 20,000 troops of the order? And if he decides he can't, won't he send an emissary and walk out a truce? Simply put, if you're not willing to take what is dearest to you, whether plans or people, and kiss it goodbye, you can't be my disciple. Salt is excellent. But if the salt goes flat, it's useless, good for nothing. Are you listening to this? Really listening? So we can see the wisdom of Jesus showing here in our everyday. And Jesus is highlighting on the importance of planning, the importance of counting cost and everything that we are doing so we can we can find ourselves successful some people say it's common sense but it's the wisdom of god and jesus is also talking about we being his disciples we're putting him as priority before every other thing so in our everyday lives we have that in front of us to put jesus as priority you know he talked about the place where yeah, I'm letting go of father, mother, brothers, sisters, and every other thing to follow me. You know, most of most people, when growing up as as youths, uh, they usually have a vision for their life, and it could be different from what their parents have, um, the culture their parents are used to. But Jesus says that it's it's most important for you, or it's best for you, to go along with what God has put in your heart. To follow what the Lord has laid upon you, even though it looks different from what your culture, people around you that are dearest to you may want you to follow. Praise God. So we're going into Luke chapter 15 from verse 1 to 10. The story of the lost sheep from verse 1. By this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. The Pharisees and religion scholars were not pleased, not at all pleased. They growled. He's, he takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. Their grumbling triggered this story. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? When found, you can be sure you would put it across your shoulders, rejoicing. And when you got home, call in your friends and neighbors saying, celebrate with me. I found my lost sheep. Count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people in no need of rescue. And this is here again showing the father's love, how the father, his mind, the mind of God, that he has so much value for the lost for people that have not come to know him and he'll do anything and everything to bring them in. And he wants us who are co-laborers with him to do likewise, to bring them in. The caption, the story of the lost coin. Or imagine a woman who has 10 coins and loses one. Wouldn't she light a lamp and succor the house? 
looking in every nook and cranny until she finds it. And when she finds it, you can be sure. She'll call her friends and neighbors. Celebrate with me. I found my lost coin. Count on it. That's the kind of party God's angels throw every time. One lost soul turns to God. So as you go out today, let's, let's cause a lot of party in heaven today as we win many unto God. Thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity. And have a blessed day to everyone for us here on this call. I hand over to Brother John, who will take us through the Old Testament Bible reading plan. God bless you. God bless you too, Brother Z. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. And um, welcome to the Old Testament segment of our one-year Bible reading plan. Um, a big thank you to the esteemed Amarak for this platform. And um, we, we were reading the book of uh, Judges and the story of Micah. So now we are in Judges 19, taking three chapters this morning. So I'll be a little bit faster than usual. So Judges 19, the caption, the Levites. It was an era when there was no king in Israel. A Levite living as a stranger in the backwoods hill country of Ephraim got himself a concubine, a woman from Bethlehem in Judah. But she quarreled with him and left. Returning to her father's house in Bethlehem in Judah. She was there four months. Then her husband decided to go after her and try to win her back. He had a servant and a pair of donkeys with him. When he arrived at her father's house, the girl's father saw him, welcomed him, and made him feel at home. His father-in-law, the girl's father, pressed him to stay. He stayed with him three days. They feasted and drank and slept. On the fourth day, they got up at a crack of dawn and got ready to go. But the girl's father said to his son-in-law, strengthen yourself with a hearty breakfast, and then you can go. So they sat down and ate breakfast together. Girl's father said to the man, Come now, be my guest. Stay the night. Make it a holiday. The man got up to go, but his father-in-law kept after him. So he ended up spending another night. On the fifth day, he was again up early, ready to go. Girl's father said, You need some breakfast. They went back and forth, and the day slipped on as they ate and drank together. But the man and his concubine were finally ready to go. And his father-in-law, the girl's father said, look, the day is almost gone. Why not stay the night? There's very little day left. Stay another night and enjoy yourself. Tomorrow you can get an early start and set off for your own place. But this time, the man wasn't willing to spend another night. He got things ready, left, and went as far as Jebus, which is also called Jerusalem with his pair of saddled donkeys, his concubine and his servant. At Jebus, though, the day was nearly gone. Servant said to his master, it's late, let us go into this Jebusite city and spend the night. But his master said, we are not going into any city for foreigners. We'll go on to Kibir. He directed his servants, keep going, let's go on ahead. We'll spend the night either in Kibir or Ramah. So they kept going. As they pressed on, the sun finally left them in the vicinity of Gibeah, which belongs to Benjamin. They left the road there to spend the night at Gibeah. The Levites went and sat down in the town square, but no one invited them in to spend the night. Then late in the evening, 
an old man came in from his day's work in the fields. He was from the hill country of Ephraim and lived temporarily in Gibeah, where all the local citizens were Benjaminites. When the old man looked up and saw the traveler in the town square, he said, where are you going and where are you from? The Levi said, we are just passing through, coming from Bethlehem on our way to a remote spot in the hills of Ephraim. I come from there. I've just made a trip to Bethlehem in Judah and I'm on my way back home. No one has invited us in for the night. We wouldn't be any trouble. We have food and straw for the donkeys and bread and wine for the woman, the young man and me. We don't need anything. The old man said, it's going to be all right. I'll take care of you. We aren't going to spend the night in the town square. He took them home and fed the donkeys. They washed up and sat down to a good meal. They were relaxed and enjoying themselves when the men of the city, a gang of local hell raisers, all surrounded the house and started pounding on the door. They yelled for the owner of the house. The old man, bring out the man who came to your house who wants to have sex with him. He went out and told them, no, brothers, don't be obscene. This man is my guest. Don't commit this outrage. Look, my virgin daughter and his concubine are here. I'll bring them out for you. Abuse them if you must, but don't do anything so senselessly vile to this man. But the men wouldn't listen to him. Finally, the Levite pushed his concubine out the door to them. They raped her repeatedly all night long. Just before dawn, they let her go. The woman came back and fell at the door of the house where her master was sleeping. When the sun rose, there she was. It was morning. Her master got up and opened the door to continue his journey. There she was, his concubine, crumpled in a heap, in a heap at the door, her hands on the threshold. Get up, he said. Let's get going. There was no answer. He lifted her onto his donkey and set out for home. When he got home, he took a knife and dismembered his concubine and cut her into 12 pieces. He sent her piece by piece throughout the country of Israel. And he ordered the men he sent out, say to every man in Israel, has such a thing as this ever happened from the time the Israelites came up from the land of Egypt until now? Think about it. Talk it over. Do something. Hmm. Wow. Okay, we now move to Judges 20. We can see that um, I think this is the first time. Okay, let's continue. Judges 20. Then all the people of Israel came out. The congregation met in the presence of God at Mizpah. They were all there, from Dan to Beersheba, as one person. The leaders of all, all the people, representing all the tribes of Israel, took their places in the garden of God. There were 400 divisions of sword-wielding infantry. Meanwhile, the Benjaminites got wind that Israelites were meeting at Mizpah. People of Israel said, Now tell us, how did this outrageous evil happen? The Levites, the husband of the murdered woman, spoke. My concubine and I came to spend the night at Gibeah, a Benjaminite town. That night, the men of Gibeah came after me. They surrounded the house, intended to kill me. They gang raped my concubine, and she died. So I took my concubine, caught up her body and set her piece by piece, 12 pieces, to every part of Israel's inheritance. This vile and outrageous crime was committed in Israel. So Israelites, make up your mind. 
decide on some action. All the people were at once, and as one person on their feet, none of us will go home. Not a single one of us will go to his own house. Here's our plan for dealing with Gibeah. We'll march against it by drawing lots. We'll take 10 of every 100 men from all the tribes of Israel, a hundred of every thousand and a thousand of every 10,000 to carry food for the army. When the troops arrive at Gibeah, they will settle accounts for this outrageous and vile evil that, they, that was done in Israel. So all the men in Israel were gathered against the city, totally united. The Israelite tribes sent messengers throughout the tribe of Benjamin saying, what's the meaning of this outrage that took place among you? Surrender the men right here and now. These hellraisers of Gibeah will put them to death and burn the evil out of Israel. But they wouldn't do it. The Benjaminites refused to listen to their brothers, the people of Israel. Instead, they raised an army from all their cities and rallied at Gibeah to go to war against the people of Israel. <laughs> In no time at all, they had recruited from their cities 26 divisions of sword-wielding infantry. From Gibeah, they got 700 hand-picked fighters, <clears throat> the best. There were another 700 super marksmen who were ambidextrous. They could sling a stone at a hair and not miss it. The men of Israel, excluding Benjamin, mobilized 400 divisions of sword-wielding fighting men. They set out and went to Bethel to inquire of God. The people of Israel said, Who of us shall be first to go into battle with the Benjamin? God said, Judah, go first. The people of Israel got up the next morning and captured the people of Israel. And devastated 22 Israelite divisions. On the ground. Verse 22 The Israelites went back to the sanctuary and wept before God until evening. They again inquired of God, Shall we again go into battle against the Benjamin and our brothers? God said, Yes, attack. The army took hearts. The men of Israel took up the positions they had deployed on the first day. On the second day, Israelites again advanced against Benjamin. This time, as the Benjaminites came out of the city on the second day, they devastated another 18 Israelite divisions, all swarming. All the people of Israel, the whole army, were back and better weeping, sitting there in the presence of God. That day they fasted until evening. They sacrificed whole bunch of offerings and peace offerings before God. And they again inquired of God. The chest of God's covenant was there that day, with Benehas, son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, as a ministering priest, they asked, shall we again march into battle against the Benjaminites? Our brothers, or should we call it quits? And God said, attack, tomorrow I will give you victory. This time Israel placed men in ambush all around Gibeah. On the third day, when Israel set out, they took up the same positions before the Benjaminites as before. When the Benjaminites came out to meet the army, they moved out from the city. Benjaminites began to cut down some of the troops just as they had before. 
about 30 men fell in the field and on the roads to Bethel and Gideon. Benjamin started bragging. We are dropping them like flies, just as before. But the Israelites strategized. Now let's retreat and pull them out of the city onto the main roads. So every Israelite moved further out of out to Baal Tamar. At the same time, the Israelites ambush rushed into its place west of Gibeah. Ten crack divisions from all over Israel now arrived at Gibeah. Intense, bloody fighting. Benjaminites had no idea idea that they were about to go down with the foot. God routed them before Israel. Israelites decimated 25 divisions of Benjaminites that day. 25,100 killed. They were all swordsmen. Benjaminites saw that they were beaten. Men of Israel acted like they were retreating before Benjamin, knowing that they could depend on the ambush they had prepared for Gibeah. The ambush erupted and made quick work of Gibeah. The ambush spread out and massacred the city. The strategy for the main body of the ambush was that they send up a smoke signal from the city and the men of Israel would turn in battle. When that happened, Benjamin had killed about 30 Israelites and thought they were on their way to victory, yelling out, they are on the run, just as in the first battle. But then the signal went up from the city, a huge column of smoke. When the Benjaminites looked back, there it was, the whole city going up in smoke. At the time the men of Israel had turned back on them, the men of Benjamin fell apart. They could see that they were trapped, confronted by the Israelites. They tried to get away down the wilderness road, but by now the battle was everywhere. The men of Israel poured out of the towns, killing them right and left, hot on their trail, picking them off east of Gibeah. Verse 44. 18 divisions of Benjaminites wiped out all their best fighters. Five divisions turned to escaping to the wilderness to Raymond Rock, but the Israelites caught and slaughtered them on roads. Keeping the pressure on, the Israelites brought down two more divisions. Total of the Benjaminites killed that day came to 25 divisions of infantry, their best swordsmen. 600 men got away. They made it to Raymond Rock the wilderness and held out there for four months. The men of Israel came back and killed all the Benjamins who were left. All the men and animals they found in every town and then touched the towns, sending them up in flames. Now move to chapter 21. The caption wives, back at Mizpah, the men of Israel had taken an oath, no man among us give his daughter to a Benjaminite in marriage. Now back in Bethel, the people sat in the presence of God. Until evening, they cried loudly. There was widespread lament lamentation. They said, why, O oh God, God of Israel, has this happened? Why do we find ourselves today missing one whole tribe from Israel? Early the next morning, the people got busy and built an altar. They sacrificed whole bond offerings and peace offerings. Then the Israelites said, who from all the tribes of Israel didn't show up as we gathered in the presence of God? For they had all taken a sacred oath that anyone who had not gathered in the presence of God at Mizpah had They were feeling sorry for Benjamin, their brothers. They said, today, one tribe is cut off from Israel. How can we get wives for those who are left? We have sworn by God not to give any of our daughters to them in marriage. He said, which one of the tribes of Israel didn't gather before God at Mizpah? 
It turned out that no one had come to the garden from Jabesh Gilead when they took the roll call of the people. Not a single person from Jabesh Gilead was there. So the congregation sent 12 divisions on their, of their top men there in the command, kill everyone of Jabesh Gilead, including women and children. These are your instructions. Every man and woman who has had sexual intercourse, you must kill, but keep the virgins alive. And that's what they did. And they found 400 virgins among those who lived in Jabesh Gilead. They had never had sexual intercourse with a man, and they brought them to the camp of Shiloh, at Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan. And the congregation sent word to the Benjaminites who were at the Raymond Rock and offered them peace. And Benjamin came. They gave them the women they had let live at Jabez Gilead. But even then, it weren't enough for all the men. People felt bad for Benjamin. God had left out Benjamin, the missing piece from the Israelite tribes. The elders of the congregation said, how can we get wives for the rest of the men? Since all the Benjaminites' women have been killed, how can we keep the inheritance alive for the Benjaminites' survivors? How can we prevent an entire tribe from extinction? We certainly can't give our own daughters to them as wives. Remember, the Israelites have taken an oath. Cost is anyone who provides a wife to Benjamin. <coughs> then they said, there is that festival of God held every year in Shiloh. It's not a bit better. Just east of the main road that goes up from Bethel to Shechem and a little south of Lebanon. So they told the Benjaminites, go and hide in the vineyards, stay alert. When you see the Shiloh girls come out to dance, the dances, run out of the vineyards, grab one of the Shiloh girls for your wives, and then hightail it back to the country of Benjamin. When their fathers and our brothers come to lay charges against us, we will tell them we did them a favor. After all, we didn't go to war and kill to get wives for men. And it wasn't as if you were you were in on it by giving consent. But if you keep this up, you will incur blame. And that's what the Benjamins did. They carried off girls from the dance, wives enough for their number, got away and went home to their inheritance. They built their towns and settled down. From there, the people of Israel dispersed, each man heading back to his own tribe and clan, each to his own plot of land. At that time, there was no king in Israel. People did whatever they felt like doing. And that concludes the book of Judges. Praise be unto God. Okay. And I hand over to Brother Martins for the Pauline affirmation. Thank you very much. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much, esteemed Brother John. Wow, what a read. Hallelujah. Okay, we are taking our Pauline affirmation this morning. The affirmation is on the screen already. We start our affirmation by taking our name. My name is, you say your name. I have the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of Christ. The second paragraph, I, your name, I'm granted according to the riches of the glory of Christ. The third paragraph, your name first, my love abounds more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. At this time, I'll kindly ask everyone to unmute their mic as we take our affirmation at the count of three. Please do unmute your mic. At the count of three, one, two, three. 
Amen, 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 amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Look, at this point, we'll be taking our communion, and I'll be taking the text from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, chapter 11, verse 23. And the Bible says, For I received of the Lord that which I, have give, I also have delivered unto you, the Lord Jesus, the same night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. He's doing remembrance of me. Precious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great opportunity to recount that which Jesus did. Breaking bread, his body was broken on our behalf. His blood was shed up for our righteousness and we walk in victory. We walk in prosperity and excellence. We walk in perfection by the power of the Holy Ghost. And as we break this bread, dear Lord Jesus, we thank you. We will never be broken in life. We will walk in your perfect will continually by the power of the Holy Ghost. Our lives are orchestrated. Our words are seasoned with souls. And the words that we speak, you produce for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Thank you, Lord God. We give you all the praise. We thank you. Go ahead and break the bread right now. Casti, go, and the Monto Gabodila goes element in the Christo Bradon Savidon Crafted Hishta. After the same manner, he took the cup. When he had sought, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. These two years, after to drink it in remembrance of me. 
as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the lost death till he comes. Lord Jesus, thank you for your blood that was shed for us. Oh, the blood of Jesus that washes away everything. Oh, the blood that purifies us. Oh, the blood that cleanses us. The blood that heals. The blood that sanctifies. The blood that blesses. Lord, we thank you for your body and blood. This is what you give us to eat and drink. And you said, as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we do show your death. We do consummate all that your death and vicarious resurrection has brought for us. We dare to say that God is our Father. We dare to say that Jesus is our Lord. We dare to say that we have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. We dare to say that I and the Father, we and the Father, we are one. We dare to say we believe. Thank you, Lord God, for this great privilege. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Go ahead and take the cup. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Yes, we have the victory. Hallelujah. Right now, we'll kindly ask you to unmute your mic as we take the benediction. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Have a most excellent day. Thank you so much, Esteem Hamara, for this opportunity. Thank you all for joining. God bless you. Have a good day. Thank <laughs> you.